Welcome to Get Unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Over the next hour, you will be given valuable tips and tools you can use to overcome what keeps you stuck. Now, here is Jason. Welcome to Get Unstuck, Move Forward With Your Life. I am your host, Jason Hopkins. Thank you for joining us today. Get Unstuck Radio is inspired by my own journey of navigating this thing called life. More than a decade ago, I faced my own dark night of the soul, a painful chapter that robbed me of my mind, my money, and my way. After a series of catastrophic setbacks upended a lifetime of work, I was left with two choices, to end it all or to begin again. Fortunately, with a mustard seed of faith, I chose to walk forward with a new commitment to serve others. Over the last decade, I have faithfully worked to evolve the narrative of how the world sees mental health. By recognizing that everyone struggles, sometimes we all need new insight and perspective to see life more clearly. Not only is this show the birthplace of my own efforts to overcome life's challenges, but a safe space to meet other champions who, even after setbacks, still bravely show up and serve others. Get Unstuck Radio highlights the phenomenal people who have joined me along the way. It is a place to share their stories, which hopefully will spark inspiration in your own life. Together, we celebrate our individual capacity to move forward and get the lives we truly desire. Each week, a distinguished guest will share their own unique perspective about what it takes to move beyond stuck and achieve their truest potential. Regardless of where you are, I'm hopeful you will discover the inspiration and courage to make an impact in your own life. Let's get started. Today, I am thrilled to welcome my guest, Josh Miller. Josh is a queer changemaker, public speaker, photographer, and outdoor explorer. He is the founder of Josh Miller Ventures and the co-founder and CEO of Ideas X Lab, an organization that uses the art of storytelling and community collaboration to impact public health. Josh's work has been featured by the New York Times, the Aspen Institute, and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. He is a Soros Equity Fellow, received the 2022 Nonprofit Visionary Leader Award from Louisville Business First, and was selected for Business Equality Magazine's 40 LGBTQ Plus Leaders Under 40, and Louisville's Business First 40 Under 40. Miller is a two-time TEDx speaker and has been described as a force in our community. He holds an MBA from Indiana University and an undergraduate degree from Bellarmine University. Josh previously served as an advisor to the Derby Diversity and Business Summit and co-chair for the Louisville Health Advisory Board's Communication Committee. Josh, I'm so grateful to have you here today um, for another episode of Get Unstuck Radio. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here, Jason. Can't wait to have a conversation with you today. Wow. In reading your bio, I'm just so impressed by what you've accomplished and brought to the world. I'm, I'm already looking ahead to how you build upon the success that you've had so far. But when we first visited about having this conversation, um, you had spoken with me about a concept called covering. And what I took away from that, it's the essence of how we show up in our lives and our careers and our relationships and not really revealing our full authentic selves. Um, And I thought that was a really valuable conversation to have with people. And you seem like the guy to do that with. Help me ensure first, did I kind of get that right in context? And we'll dig into it deeper as as the conversation goes along. 
Yeah, I think that's a great way to think about covering. I define it as intentionally downplaying, hiding, or filtering parts of ourselves and our identities at work and with different social groups, with family. And so it's one of those things where whether it's changing how you dress or style your hair, maybe not mentioning a same-sex partner, that you have a disability, your age, a divorce, maybe even that you're sober, there's all these different ways that we may feel like these are parts of myself that I can't bring into one space or another for, for any given reason. And there are real implications and, and can be negative consequences to individuals and those we engage with by covering. I love that. And I'm really excited to unpack bits and pieces. You just inspired me with several questions that can guide our conversation here. But I guess before we get into that, give give us a little background into how this this work was revealed to you. I mean, it looks like you know, the the accomplishments you have are really founded in, you know, helping people tell their stories, helping people show up in a more authentic way. I'm guessing that came from your own personal journey of of discovery. Where did this this work start for you? So I think it really, in part, was spurred by my upbringing. I, would, I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee area on Lookout Mountain, and okay. I was outed before my senior year of high school. So the long story short is very conservative religious community, and it that was not a place where being gay was embraced or accepted. It was viewed as a choice and a sin. And I ended up uh, being kicked out before my senior year of high school and moving to Southern Indiana to live with my aunt and cousins. And that's what brought me to Louisville, Kentucky area. I was there for 13 years. It's where I met my now husband, Theo Edmonds. That's where I went to Bellarmine and then IU. And it was dream kind of that shift of seeking to understand based on the places where I grew up, where I was working, what does it mean to, to be a man or to be a human? How can I show up? What is acceptable? What does it mean to be a professional? And so when my husband and I started the nonprofit that I now lead, Ideas X Lab, there was really this feeling of if I was too queer, too feminine presenting, too um, too flamboyant, if you will, that maybe people wouldn't fund us or wouldn't want to partner with us. And so covering for me, which I couldn't articulate then, as covering meant that instead of, you know, growing my hair out, which I now people maybe are listening and and can't see me, but I have long wavy brown hair. I wear makeup. um, I wear a lot of what would be considered more feminine or androgynous clothes, earrings and jewelry. And, um, and so it was this question of, do I, you know, keeping myself in a place of having to wear suits and bow ties and wingtips and keeping my hair short and intentionally thinking, ooh, I'm going to this meeting, I'm going to make sure I don't wear or put on this or talk about this, or maybe I don't want my voice to sound as gay or, or different internal things like that. And some of those messages even come from external places of people being like, oh, well, remember you're meeting, there's a meeting with this person, so maybe downplay how much makeup there is. You know, and so some of those different things really impacted my own, you know, sense of belonging within the team, feeling connected to work, to the people in my life, and also led to utilizing different coping mechanisms, which for me were unhealthy ones in terms of a lot of drinking. So alcohol, I coped a lot with, and also some challenges with eating disorders. And so 
uh, I guess, 20, you know, midway through the 10-year arc of our organization's life, I really started to think internally about what what is not, something's off right now, something isn't working. And what I would later be able to call covering was what I was able to pinpoint as part of the challenge. And so the question for me then became, do I continue to move through the world in this assimilated version of myself, knowing what it's taking from me and knowing the potential harm it can cause for me as an individual with how I coped, but also taking away my creativity, my ability to lead, the innovation that I could bring, um, and then getting to a place of deciding I'm going to start uncovering those parts of myself. I'm going to let myself evolve how I show up, what parts of myself I'm bringing into these spaces. And that was really freeing and also meant that I had to tackle some other things. Like I stopped, you know, I I addressed my relationship with alcohol. I've been sober for a number of years now. Congratulations. Um, But that really, as a personal experience, and and thank you, um, that is a personal experience kind of building into also the storytelling piece of why telling our stories is so important became a focal point for me. And so I was at a conference in 2018 or 2019, and that's where I was introduced to Deloitte's Uncovering Talent Report. And that was the first time I was introduced to the term covering in general. Okay. And some of the ways that they had through interviewing over 3,000 corporate professionals they had found that covering was present in different forms for different people across basically all groups, straight white men, women of color, LGBTQ plus folks, people with disabilities, veterans. And so I was like, wow, one, I now have language. I can name what I went through and what I know other people are going through. Um, And when we can name it and engage with each other around that, that is extremely powerful. But it also is an entry point into conversations about belonging and inclusion and culture and trust and psychological safety in terms of if this is something that can negatively impact everyone, then it serves all of us to engage in a conversation with it around it. Right. And it can feel like sometimes in diversity and inclusion focused conversations, sometimes it can feel like we're saying, well, we're talking about this one group or this this one group's experience, but covering was one that I really saw moving across all groups. And so those different... I'm sorry, but that's what I'm really hearing from this story. I mean, while it has certainly been a personal journey of you becoming a proud gay man, that's not where this concept lives or lies. It's something that potentially can, can move through anybody's life. And what I'm also hearing is that you did some really deeply personal work to um, uncover and discover some of those painful places that, you know, many people, let's put a different word to it, would feel ashamed about and and would be the, the root source of why they didn't move more authentically in their lives or show up in a more connected way. I, I, I want to clarify for anybody's listening, this is something that I believe, and Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, that really any of us have the capacity to struggle with. Yeah, I agree with that. I've talked to a lot of different folks over the past few years, leaders from politics, corporate leadership, higher ed, nonprofits, people who are 
straight, LGBTQ+, people across age groups, um, different racial ethnic and, and ethnic backgrounds. And I have yet to encounter a conversation where as we're talking about this topic, people do not identify areas of covering. Well, if I had to put it in different words, it feels to me like a journey of getting comfortable in your own skin. I think that's a huge part of it. I do. You know, because I go back to the word shame that I used earlier, so many of the things, and thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your story, you know, as as a member of the LGBTQ plus community myself, I also know that the pain and the trials of going through that coming out process and how that is not linear, it's not clean, and it often um, isn't one that is, uh, that there's an elimination of pain. Um, But I do find that, you know, taking a look at those painful places and those, those places that we feel stuck, we feel shamed, we feel like we can't be our authentic self really kind of becomes the foundation for how we show up and do everything. I mean, would you would you agree that this being this journey to being more authentic and, and comfortable in your skin has kind of framed everything you do? I think it's been it's had a huge impact on that. I think it impacts how I embody my values, how I work, and how we as a team with an ideas X Lab actively talk about what is the space and the way that we want to work and how are we going to explicitly articulate that? Um, We even, my colleague Hannah Drake and I created um, some different activities that that explore the topic of covering and use those with our board of directors. And so it's become a way for us to say, we know that we don't, you know, in, in our engagements with each other, there are things that people often feel like they need to leave out. And we want to create this space where you can bring those things and we can value those and see those as part of your lived experience that helps to, you know, strengthen um, and propel our collective work forward. And so that's been a really helpful way of thinking about all of these different parts of who we are and how do we make space for that and and make it a welcoming uh, place for people. I, I that's admirable work. Can can you give our listeners some kind of practical examples of, even if you don't yet recognize it in your own life or think I've got this all worked out and that doesn't apply to me, how are some ways that you see this showing up in professional settings or personal settings? What's something practical that somebody could, you know, just hear and observe, you know, am I experiencing any of this in the community that I move through? So I think it, it, presents in a variety of ways. So one, um, I mentioned the the activities that Hannah and I have done, and we did a workshop with a group of 50. It was all from within one company. And as we moved throughout the day, we got to a place in the day where one of the team members said, I have a disability. It's not one that you all can readily see. I have worked my, you know, I have found accommodations for myself Right. But I've been here almost four years, and this is never something I've actively shared because I didn't want to be treated differently, and I didn't want to be viewed as that being something that would detract from what I could contribute. And whether it's something like that, um, whether it was the activities that we did with our board and we were talking about one individual said, I don't always mention that I hung out with my grandkids over the weekend 
because I don't want to reiterate that I'm old enough to have grandkids. I don't want to be viewed as less valuable or more expendable within the organization because of my age. So I will just leave out all of those things that I did. One person talked about wearing, um, being in a same-sex marriage and when they would or would not choose to wear their wedding ring or even mention that they have um, that they have a same-sex partner. And so it's some of those different types of elements that can happen, but it's also things like if people are making comments about, well, oh, we have this meeting tomorrow, so I'm going to make sure not to wear blank, or I'm going to make sure that my hair is styled in this way so that people view me in this way. And those little comments can then be a segue into do you feel like there's an atmosphere here or elements of this place that we are in together that don't let you show up in all your forms and feel valued? And I think from, like you were saying, from a personal unpacking perspective, starting with, you know, more or less like a self-assessment and thinking through, are there areas about myself that I might be covering and maybe sitting down and actually writing out some of those. What are those? Doing an inventory. Can I name them? Do an inventory of it. And then start to think about what are the ripple effects of those? Is it contributing to coping? Is it potentially, maybe I'm feeling really burned out right now. Why do I feel really burned out right now? Right. And is it because I've been covering something for a decade? And so doing that inventory, that assessment can be one of those ways of starting to articulate it for yourself. And then potentially, depending on the environment you're in, being able to shift that into a broader conversation with maybe a few colleagues or a close colleague as a starting place um, to try to make some progress forward in terms of what could a different way of us moving through and being in this space look like. Right. I I love that. And that just brings it into the practical perspective. The the time is flying quickly. We've got to take a quick two-minute break. Um, but when we come back, I want to I want to continue digging into this because I am finding a lot of value in this conversation. Uh, give us a quick two minutes and we'll be right back. Stuck in a state of being that holds us back from creating the life we truly desire. Regardless of your own blocks or limitations, imagine an easier way to get unstuck and move forward with your life. On this show, Jason Hopkins shares his practical next right step approach that will move you toward the life you really want. You too can be steps from getting the abundance, love, support, and fulfillment your heart desires. Get unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to the show. 
If you have a question for Jason or his guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show with Jason. Welcome back to Get Unstuck Radio. I'm your host, Jason Hopkins. And today I have Josh Miller, who is the founder and CEO of Ideas X Lab. And we're talking about the concept of covering, um, which are the subtle ways that we may not reveal parts of ourselves in our professional life and personal relationships, um, things that might make us feel uncomfortable about being fully authentic and showing up in a way that aligns with who we really are. Um, before the break, Josh, we were having this conversation about taking an inventory of, you know, the ways that you might recognize in your own life that you're not showing up in, and I'm going to use the word fully authentic, and I'm not sure that's the right word. Um, but in a way that, that, that is truly authentic to who you are and how you want to show up in the world. And, and you gave us some great examples of how that is revealed. The thing that's curious to me in this concept is it feels like, and I used the terms earlier, getting comfortable in in your own skin. It feels like there is a real element of um, something being rooted in not feeling fully comfortable within yourself with being able to show up in an authentic way by external factors that may be a part of your world. Um, How big of a role do you think kind of uncovering, uh, unpacking um, the shame we feel about some of the things that we may cover plays in, in healing this. I think there's certainly an, an element of that for sure. I think part of it comes down to our upbringing, the communities we were, we are a part of the families and the, you know, the values, the rules, um all of that forms the mental models that we build of who we can be what's acceptable how we're going to move through the world so i definitely i certainly think that there are facets of that that we can may- be made to feel shame about and then i so i think that's a realm of where covering can come from so that's that's that maybe place- internal factors right and then In- you're talking about external cultivate internal that has been informed by the external because those mental models come from the people we are around. Got it. Right. So if you grew up in a religious community that said that being gay is a choice and a sin, that could be a mental model that you're carrying with you. So I think that is certainly a component of it. The other facet that I've heard a lot about in terms of covering is that it is less about being ashamed and often about, and, and this is more, the, the conversations I've had have often focused on the workplace, um, but is about potential loss of opportunity, of being fired, of um, there being safety or loss of progress ramifications. So it's less of, I am ashamed of this, but more of, I don't see the space that I'm stepping into as one that will allow me to continue to excel and to grow and to have opportunity based on these elements of myself. So not safe Um, and supportive. Right, exactly. 
You know, I knew you do this work inside businesses all the time, which is why I perceive you as an expert in this space. Do you feel like we're evolving in 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 uncovering and being able to show up more authentic? Or do you find that it is still pretty siloed depending on, you know, the the type of business, the the part of the country that you're in, the type of industry that you're in? Are we evolving? I think some area, I think some companies and or leaders are absolutely evolving. What's been really interesting to me to look at is the intersection over the past few years of covering what we experienced with COVID-19 and the socio-political environment and how those all intersected. There was a, a survey from Future Forum's remote, remote Employee Experience Index in 2021. Okay. And they found that 97% of Black knowledge workers wanted to keep remote or hybrid work options. And in part, that was because they didn't feel like they had to code switch or cover as much of themselves throughout the work week as when they had to be in the office five days a week. So when you yeah, think about that neat. number of people who all recognize my well-being is better, I don't feel like I'm compromising myself as much. That's a huge number. Then you also had people who transitioned because of remote work, because of these opportunities to not be in person so much. So you are li- quite literally welcoming back, assuming you are requiring people to come into an office X amount of time, new people, new employees or employees who are bringing a different part of themselves into the workplace. Right. And you also have people from a you know in, introverted extroverted uh, area from a social stamina perspective whose ability to engage has evolved their understanding of themselves has evolved and so when you kind of look at all of that collectively to say people have found a way not to have to cover as much because of the the places aren't always primed for them you have people who actually did transition or have uncovered in whatever way that is. But then you look at all of the companies that are trying to say, you have to come back into the office five days a week. And outside of that, we're not necessarily changing a lot of what it means to bring you back in. We're not resetting the foundation of what it means to be in this company or a team or recognizing all of these things about our workforce that have changed. And so I think that is where the companies that are taking that into consideration are taking big steps forward. And the ones that are not are going to continue to struggle because I think a lot of people have started, whether or not they're articulating it as uncovering or this self, you know, this internal inventory are taking stock of what do I value and how do I want to be able to show up and what parts of myself do I want to contribute And so that landscape over the next few years, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Well, and if I'm hearing you, I mean, again, it's a conversation that kind of transcends all the boundaries. It's not an ageist thing. Um, It's not a socioeconomic thing. I mean, it can really impact anybody in any place in their lives of something that they just don't feel comfortable fully revealing. I guess my question that I'm curious about 
is if I'm a leader in an organization or somebody listening is in a leadership position and they're maybe in an organization that isn't as evolved as some of the ones that you've had the benefit of working with, what are things that I could start doing as a leader to be more sensitive to the reality of all of these factors that you just mentioned, the socio-political, you know, COVID-19, all of those things really coming into play and recognizing the world is different. Um, how can I show up to be more aware and sensitive in leadership um, to make workplaces a safer space? You know, I think part of it gets back to what we talked about earlier in terms of the self-assessment or the personal inventory, whether or not you are specifically identifying things that may be considered covering you may start by saying, these are the things about myself that I learned or have seen evolve over the past three years. Okay. The way that I work has evolved. The way we have communicated internally has evolved. So demonstrating some amount of the willingness for self-reflection and naming that things are evolving and changing, I think is a component of it. I think engaging with if it's a a group of peer managers, if it is a team that you directly lead, opening up the floor for what have you all observed? What are the, you know, asking some of the questions, maybe it is along the lines of, are there parts of yourselves five years ago that you didn't feel like you could bring that are now coming into the workplace with you? And trying to identify and, and, and model by what you share that this is a place for these conversations to happen. And I think also looking at, you know, I mentioned burnout earlier as an example, but if your company is experiencing a lot of those challenges from a burnout, a turnover perspective, thinking about what are the metrics that you can kind of use as a benchmark to understand whether it's, trust or psychological safety or sense of belonging to kind of be indicators for where you may do some work. But I really think that the leaders who are willing to be reflective of themselves, to be vulnerable and sharing some observations, some things they learned, some things even from when I started my professional career 30 years ago, I didn't, I didn't feel like I could do X. Now I see in the workforce that you that I can do that. Right. Even showing examples of all the way at the beginning of your career to now, what are some evolutions opens up the space for people to step into that conversation in a way that I think can be really productive. Well, I think I think differently put, it's really stepping into seeing, valuing, and hearing the team that you're a part of. And I use yeah. the word team. I mean, it could be the family you're a part of, it could be the work environment you're a part of, it could be your social environment that you're a part of, but it's really, it sounds very collaborative and it starts with, uh, by your words, self-reflection, which I think is beautiful and really showing up and just being, being more fully who you are. You know, I have found in sharing my own journey um, of doing this work, I'm often reminded of while I get tired of telling my story, every time I do, I, it, it gets reflected back to me how valuable it can be to somebody hearing it for the first time and how often it's an open door and invitation for somebody to share something that they're struggling with or have struggled with that really, 
you know, feels like the foundation of connection, you know, really that birthplace of being able to, you know, be human with another person or other people in a way that you feel safe. And I think anything we can do to do more of that is really important and valuable. I guess my next question would be is having done this work in the professional community, what are some of the benefits that you have seen play out in this work actively happening in a professional environment? I think the ways that I've seen it play out, one, like the example I gave earlier was a team member being like by a team committing to move through an experience together and to be vulnerable, someone was able to share something that for years they had not been able to Right, were accepted for that. And the, it was a demonstration of we are operating in a different way. Our group as a whole is stepping forward in a different way. I also think I mentioned us doing it with a Drina board retreat as well. It really can impact trust in terms of people have been vulnerable. We are operating at a deeper level with each other in terms of knowing each other better. Um, but that that also cascades into people's collective sense of belonging. How do we collaborate? And being willing to also then say, or enter into conversations around like, what what is the best way that we communicate? We have all of these different channels. There's some confusion happening. Let's articulate, you know, getting more granular in terms of how does each person work and internally operate? How does that plug into how we work as a team? And so by moving through a process of thinking about these these questions of covering and engaging in that dialogue then builds that sense of team in a way that you can be more productive. You can come up with additional ideas and be more efficient. Um, The way that leaders and team members themselves can engage, can evolve and be strengthened. And so not only are there the individual benefits of, you know, if each individual is less stressed and their well-being is improved than the collective benefits, you also see the synergy across the group increasing as well. And so there are those broader ramifications for a team or a company that you can benefit from that, especially over a longer term, if that's something that you're willing to actively cultivate. Well, and I love the momentum of this kind of authentic connection that can be built from just really inviting people to be more authentically who they are. I keep going back to that word authentic because it really feels resonant to me in this conversation and just feeling safe and comfortable to be able to show up, you know, who you are, how you are in in your space and and to be seen, valued and heard. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um you know, it, it it reminds me, I I also lead a nonprofit and um, my board and I are doing a year-long strategy um, and planning session called Best Year Yet. And in doing that, it has really sparked and inspired some pretty vulnerable conversation. And what I was shocked about going into it that I wasn't expecting it was kind of all of the, and I'm going to use the word trash, that we bring to the conversation based on 
historical perspective, experience, and all of that. And it has been fascinating and and really illuminating to have these conversations with people that I know pretty well and that I would consider friends and close personal relations just to be able to to show up in a more vulnerable way as we're moving through planning what do we want the next three to five years to look like. I I have to say to the point that we're talking about here regarding covering, it has been um, one of the most eye-opening and compelling experiences I've been through professionally because I feel like we're connected as a team, not only through our shared experience of what we've showed up to do, but also through our vulnerabilities of recognizing of where we've gotten stuck along the way. And, you know, I, 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 I admire your taking this on as a, as a project because it's um, there really is so much good that can come from it. Yeah. I'd love to hear the, kind of reflection that you just shared about how that works with the board and all of the different elements that came up through that as a process that then let you all do that really intentional forward-facing work. So I think that's a great example of, like you were saying, the vulnerability, the stories, the being willing to consider what what needs to be unpacked as part of the process and the value that has for what's created in the future. Right. And, you know, for us, I mean, it's really also evolved into how do we more thoughtfully consider DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion issues that, frankly, you know, I've always come from the place of everyone has a seat at our table. And, you know, I have prided myself in being a leader that thinks everyone is welcome in our organization, but really recognizing that in today's world, that's not enough. It's not enough just to say everyone's welcome. I think there is a cultural competency that is so important and so necessary in assuming that we actually see the people that we want to serve, that they feel safe, they feel like there's a place for them to come. Um, Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the work that you're doing currently. And I know storytelling is a big piece of the work that you do. I want to to understand a little bit more about that. Um, So we'll be back in two quick minutes. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to the show. 
If you have a question for Jason or his guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show with Jason. Welcome back to Get Unstuck Radio. I'm your host, Jason Hopkins, and today I have my guest, Josh Miller, with me. Josh is the founder and CEO of Ideas X Lab, and we've been talking about the topic of covering today. And before the break, we were really diving into, um, you know, the 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 plus sides of being able to create safer, open, um, more authentic workspaces um, for us and individuals. And Josh, I know a, a big part of the work that you do at Ideas X Lab is really focused on storytelling. And, you know, you've so graciously shared your story today that's that's paved the way for this, this compelling dialogue. Tell me more um, what storytelling looks like in the context of the work that you're doing and how you're using that to shape, you know, evolving communities. Absolutely. So Ideas X Lab, it's actually our 10-year anniversary this year. So we just hit a decade. And we have, since our launch, been artist-led and really focused on how can we use the art of storytelling to unearth and honor community um, voices, community histories, and through doing that, transforming people, spaces, and cultures. And so our, our journey has evolved over the decade, but right now we have two primary areas of focus, both of which have a really strong storytelling component. Okay. The first is called Unknown Project, which unearths, unearths and honors the names and stories of Black enslaved people in Kentucky and beyond. So I mentioned earlier, I was in Kentucky for 13 years in Louisville. I've now been in Denver for two. So I travel back and forth and now across the country uh, for work. Right. But the unknown project we established in 2020, Hannah Drake and myself, to really think about how can we use art in all its forms from poetry to immersive experiences, to performances, to public art, to art installations, to engage people in the history connected to enslavement, to bring forward and unearth the names and uh, even call on the descendants of enslavers to share archival information, wills and documents that they have connected to that history, and also to create spaces for memory, and for honoring those lives of the people who often, from a historical perspective, many places have tried to erase or bury or leave unknown. And so we've really seen storytelling as a huge part of engaging people in that history um, through narratives, through monologue, through poetry, like I shared, Hannah's a poet, and... Um, So that's been a huge component of how do we support racial healing and reconciliation, really thinking about story as one of the core ways that we do that. So that's one of our primary areas. The other has been um, for the past five years, we've worked with Louisville Metro Department of Public Health and Wellness, and that has been to use arts-based community engagement to create public health messaging. So billboards, digital ads, social media campaigns, 
that focus on community story and voice. What does the community want to say to each other about specific public health topics and have that be the information that's featured in the campaigns to drive improved health outcomes. So hearing community stories, hear, having community hear each other's story and have that translate then into public health messaging. And we've seen really great success in terms of people accessing public health resources, our more recent campaigns had a focus on childhood lead poisoning prevention. So we saw an increase in children getting tested for lead poisoning. Um, and so I think all of that and the growth of Unknown Project is in part a testament to the power of storytelling and how that can compel people to action. I love that. And it's really, it's all rooted in community. And, you know, frankly, I, I, I think blurring the lines of what community means is so important and necessary and really expanding our, our boxes. I mean, I think we all bring to the table our unique experiences that make us who we are that often can make our lives pretty small and pretty similar to other people who look exactly like us. You know, the initiatives that you're taking on, I, I, I will applaud you for not not taking on the small things, um, you know, really... Um, it sounds like it is focused on bringing awareness to the things that need, um, that need the hard conversation, but doing it in a way that, that embraces each, each person's unique individual story that makes up this big puzzle that you're trying to solve. Is that pretty accurate? I think that's a great summary. And that's been one of the learnings over the past decade is how do how you were talking earlier about DEI work can mean we are inclusive, but does that mean that we have sought out and proactively gone to make sure that there's a representation of community? And so that's been one of our kind of evolving learnings and ways of working is reaching out to the breadth of different communities who are impacted by different topics so that their voices and their input are valued and help to inform what solutions look like. Um, so community right. has been a huge component of how we work and how we collaborate and um, has really enabled this work to move forward in the way that it has. Well, and for me in my own personal work, it really is rooted in actively seeking out people with different experiences and different backgrounds, people that don't look like me. You know, I find so much of us, you know, approach our work from a lens of creating safe space around uh, building community around people that look exactly like who we are. And while that there's nothing wrong with that, I, I also, I, I do believe that it's short-sighted in recognizing that there may be other contributors to your life that could add a richness and a depth that you're just not getting when everybody looks the same. Um, and, and I, I encourage anybody that's listening to, you know, let's, let's open our box, so to speak. Let's, let's break the walls of our box down and start looking at, you know, as, as we're, we're moving through our lives and sort of expanding our, our reach and outlook recognizing that a lot of that comes from seeking out opportunities among people who might not naturally seem like a fit to your inner circle. Yeah. Yeah. My, my um, friend and team member Hannah has a poem and one of the quotes and it says, someone is waiting for you to be all that you can be so that they can be all that they were destined to be. And wow. I think that ties 
I, I love that quote. Um, but I think it ties into what we talked about earlier, but also kind of the recognition of even the people we may not on the surface directly associate ourselves with can be some people who really inspire and influence us to become the person that we need or we're destined to be. And so that's that's just one quote that that really resonates with me, but I feel like ties into all of what we've been talking about today. Well, absolutely. And I mean, I think when other people make it safe for you to be you, I think it's an invitation for you to show up more fully as who you are. And yeah. and and anything we can do, you know, I think back to I've I've worked in mental health for more than a decade now. And, you know, I have been very fortunate in my own mental health journey to have you know, long-term sustained recovery that I have navigated really well. And I can think even in my own community, how vilified I have been because I have successfully navigated recovery in a way that many people's loved ones haven't. And it was so deeply painful to me along the way to be criticized because I did the work and have had the good fortune of being able to move forward and, and enjoy sustained recovery in ways that others aren't. And it was shocking to me that inside my own house, you know, the organization I lead, there were people that were showing up that were not happy or celebrating that I had a different experience than they did or their loved one did. And that was really hard for me to to, to honor because, frankly, it's because of my story that I'm able to show up and do what I do today and serve other people and I think in that service of other people, I just assumed that other people would be appreciative. And that did not prove to be the case all the time. Yeah, I think it's one of those, whether it's that kind of experience, being sober, like so many different ways where when when our outcome can be so positive, people don't always necessarily, I would, I would venture to say that there's a component of it that is almost the the uh, the feeling of miss like the missed opportunity um but one Absolutely. that was out of their control for others and so well, I, I, I hear that, you on that i think that so many of us and I, i'm not here to criticize anybody but we often stand in our own way or our own light you know we 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 become limited by our personal experience and what we bring to the party so to speak and I think it's important to recognize when we're having conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion, I'm really focused on the first word really starts with is inclusion. You know, the the D and the E to me follow your your willingness to show up and include everyone and recognize that our, you know, our 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 vast experiences, our diverse experiences are really again where that richness of connection is formed. And, um, you know, to your point that you made earlier about how much the world has changed, I even think about, you know, work I do with clients, you know, what I have to bring into a lot of conversations is the awareness and recognition that the world is different post-COVID. You know, mm -hmm. collectively, we went through an experience and, and suffering, but individually, we all have our own narrative of how that time affected us. I mean, I loved many things about COVID. It was a time of high creativity. Uh, I loved being able to not have to be as connective or out in the world. Um, I think there are some positive things that serve the mental health community well. I think we're talking about mental health in a way that we never would have 
before COVID. Um, I, I think there's a dark side to all of those things also, but I think it's important for us to recognize that, you know, many of these conversations are conversations that have needed to be had for a long, long time. Why I think it's so important now is the world has changed. Our appetite to show up in the same way, I think, is decreasing. And I think our interest in being more authentically who we are, i.e. connected to ourselves and others, has only continued to evolve and push forward. And frankly, I don't think if you you are fascinated by this conversation and wanting to apply it to your own life, I don't think there's anything stopping someone from exploring this right where they are in their own lives of how might this have impacted my own life? Um, how might I not be showing up as in the way that feels fully aligned for me um, that may may benefit me in the outcomes I have in my own life? I completely agree with you. And I think one of the questions that I have found really fascinating that I keep revisiting is whose imagination are you working in? And you can sub in living in if you want, but getting to the point you were making of how much has changed and evolved, especially over the past few years, it's interesting to sit down and to think about for the work case, whose imagination are you working in? Right. Maybe, maybe that's coming from the perspective of why do we dress this way? Well, someone who loved three-piece suits thought that everybody needed to wear a three-piece suit. Right. That doesn't mean it can't exist otherwise. They just thought, I love them. I think this is good. I want everybody else to wear them. And I'm simplifying. But if we unpack different areas of our experience through that question of, was it collectively imagined? What do I imagine it to be? Then that's another way of starting to articulate what is what is the way I want? What what could it look like? What would I like to change it to look like? Um, or engage? What is the starting place I can have for conversation with others about how we imagine the way that we work or the way that we show up? I love that invitation, Josh. This conversation has blown my mind. I'm fascinated by the topic and concept. I know we could continue. Um, we're nearing the end of time. Tell me what's next for Ideas X Lab. You've got so much important work happening. Where do where do you see you you continuing to grow in the work that you're doing in the world? So the big focus for us over the next few years through I, through the nonprofit is unknown project. We you mentioned the the Source to Quality Fellowship earlier. Hannah and I got that fellowship together, and so we will be expanding unknown project to be a national project, if not an international project. So establishing sites in other states, those could be public art installations, they could be uh, unknown project markers that signify um, or dedicate, memorialize um, sites connected to the history of enslavement. So we'll have one coming online in South Carolina, additional ones in Kentucky, we're having conversations with people in other states. Um, So that's that expansion of the project and continuing to call on people to crowdsource the history that that exists in so many pockets and out there in so many places, but just hasn't been synthesized yet, is a big piece of our work moving forward. 
So I would invite listeners, if they have some of that information, if they are part of a community that wants to create a site to visit unknownprojecttrail.com, check out the trail page, reach out to us if they have ideas, because that's going to be a huge part of of our, our organization's work moving forward. And then I think personally for me, continuing this work around the topic of covering, gathering more information, more stories, more data, and thinking about what are the applicable ways that people can start to make actionable, what does uncovering look like, and how does that support the workforce and the way that people build community with each other? Well, it's certainly valuable, and I feel like we've just scratched the surface, but I'm so grateful to have had you here today. And if you haven't subscribed yet to the Get Unstuck Radio show pages, you can find us at Get Unstuck Radio on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Next week, we'll have another inspiring guest. I guarantee you won't want to miss the conversation. Josh, before we wrap up today, tell me one thing you're grateful for. One thing I am very grateful for is the team that I am a part of. When we get to sit together around a table to work, or just to have a meal, we gen- generally end up at a place of almost laughing so hard we fall out of our chairs. And that just fills my soul. So that is I, something I'm extremely grateful for. I love that. That sounds like the foundation of connection. Josh, thank you so much for being here today. Until next time, remember every journey begins with a next step and you too can be your own champion. Thanks for joining us today for Get Unstuck Radio. Thanks for listening to today's show. We hope we've helped you identify how you can overcome the mental block that's been keeping you stuck. Until we talk again, we wish you a great week.